Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. <laughs> and it's time to hate watch with us. <laughs> Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people. and welcome to part three of nerdication my voice is breaking from the sheer excitement (laughs) (laughs) and certainly not from the combination of my chest cold and the fact that we boned the intro five times in a row (laughs) if you remember from parts one and two Kelsey made me watch Star Wars because I had never seen Star Wars before. So go back and listen to those. Spend a lot of time laughing at what a naive newborn baby I was and still am. And then come back and join us for part three, where we are going to be talking about The Force Awakens and Rogue One. And we are going to be talking about the new one that's coming out in December, which has a name that has something to do with Jedi, because every Star Wars is named after Jedi. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) And to clarify, I don't think I made you watch a Star War. I think you chose to watch a Star War. (laughs) But... It wouldn't have happened without your influence. No, I just don't want people to think that all of Hate Watch is Kelsey makes Kirsty watch things. It's only half true. <laughs> you have been <laughs> You have been so concerned about this for like months as if I would ever watch anything on my own. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> if left to my own devices, y'all, I would only be watching Parks and Rec until I died. She tried to watch Jane the Virgin this week. And then texted me 35 minutes into the episode and said, I'll be home in time for Jane the Virgin. (laughs) Okay, but nothing fucks you harder than time, so... (laughs) Especially tonight. I don't... Like, blah, 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 daylight savings. What do you want from me? (laughs) We're having a hard time. It's been tough out there. What else is new? We're always having a hard time. (laughs) I know. I like that we always qualify it as if it's an extenuating circumstance and not just who we are as people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So if you did listen to parts one and two, you might remember that we had like a whole format for how we watched these. Um, and this episode's going to be a little bit of a departure. There's not going to be a quiz in this episode, so you guys have to find other ways to point out what a naive newborn baby I am. Because I'm lazy. <laughs> and the other complicating factor is that life intervened, and at the time that I watched Force Awakens, it was very late into the night, and it was at Kelsey's apartment. So I did not make use of my table as I have for other movies. But I did keep extremely thorough notes for Rogue One. So I don't know how you want to structure this conversation, given the disparity between the two. I think we'd tackle The Force Awakens first. Mm -hmm. We'll do an order of release. Sure. We'll do the Lucas method. The Lucas method? Always. Um, (laughs) So, A, I'm a 
offended that you didn't pay more attention to the movie after I set up such a spectacular movie night in person. Well, how do you not (laughs) see that that's a compliment? Well, I'm just saying it was a learning experience, not for fun. (laughs) Well, Kelsey, you knew I did not have my laptop out. How was I going to take notes? You could have intervened in real time. I don't know. I couldn't even be successful on the quizzes, and I have like 25 pages of notes. (laughs) Fair. And you still expected me to know what swamp planets were named. Listen, I didn't even give you a quiz for this one. (laughs) Doing you a favor. (laughs) I'm just saying, you knew what you were getting into when you pressed play, and I didn't have a laptop out. Well, you should have been connecting the dots. Well, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's like you don't know me at all. Uh-huh. This is more egregious, Kelsey, than that time that I said I needed an organizational system for documenting my knitting projects, and you asked me why I would need that. <laughs> Who's offended now? <laughs> I still think it's a little silly, but Okay. But I would be so organized. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then we'd have to go through another, like, Kirstie goes to Staples mission where she snaps me the different (laughs) options of organizational tools. Hey, you gave me a direct order to send you those snaps. May I remind you, this is why you always take a note, people. (laughs) Except for when you watch Star Wars, apparently. Anyway. Um, if it makes it up to you, I could still take a feeble attempt at summarizing the plot of this movie. I can summarize, unless you want to. <laughs> I think you'll be horribly disappointed by it. So. Yeah, I know. I'm sparing myself here, really. I think I have about, like, two sentences that I can offer. Um, so there's, like, a chick, and she's got a little tiny round robot, and she's on a planet, And there's people, and they come looking for her, and then uh, a bunch of people go to places. I don't remember. Everyone wants to find Luke Skywalker. Then there's, like, a map, and it's, like, a puzzle. And somehow they all find Luke Skywalker, they put the puzzle together and find him. You have this, like, so wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Let me stop you now. (laughs) Oh, that was my whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I I figured. (laughs) So, first of all... The round robot is what people are looking for. They're not looking for her at all. She just becomes affiliated with the robot and therefore a target. But he's got the puzzle piece. Yeah. So the fork awakens. I almost said the fork awakens. (laughs) That was my dinner, though. (laughs) That would have been a much better movie. (laughs) No kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I want that spin off. Um... So The Force Awakens is effectively a New Hope remade. And I mean that in the best way possible. So a lot of things are kind of reversed. Ray, who's the girl that you were talking about, is basically the Luke Mm stand-in. And she lives on another sand planet. So then she, there's some other characters. She meets this guy named Finn, who is basically like a rogue stormtrooper who's left what's that that word deserted Um, the storm defected i think deserted because it's like an army 
Okay. <laughs> you can defect from armies, too. I think that's defecting from countries. Defecting is when you go to the other side. Deserting is when you just leave. Oh, fair. Okay, so maybe defect. It, it's, so, it's a long story. Yeah. Anyway. It's a long story. They basically end up, like, meeting each other over this round robot. And <laughs> they know that the robot needs to get to the um, rebel base. And... They try to take it there, and there's a lot of hijinks and a lot of fan service and nostalgia. They meet people like Han Solo, who can still get it, and... Hardcore. (laughs) And they basically end up finding the Rebel base. There's this whole thing. Um, There is a new villain named Kylo Ren, who we find out later. Spoiler alert, is Han Solo and Leia's son... So there's some, like, daddy issues happening. Uh, eventually, they are able to kind of defeat him, but not really. And he's run by... He's run by... He's a robot. <laughs> um, he has a leader yep. who we've only seen in, like, hologram so far named Snoop, Snoke, um, who looks kind of like a... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he, he, will, he will henceforth be Snoop. <laughs> It's like Snape and Snoke. I'm just going to do you one better and be like Snoop Dogg and Martha's Kitchen, but in space. I'm here for that, too. Anyway. Uh, so what else happens? There's a lot of like dramatic battles. Han Solo gets killed, which is the worst thing. Yeah, that was tough. And uh, they do eventually put the pieces back together to find Luke Skywalker, and it ends in a cliffhanger-y type of situation where Rey goes to the planet that he's been hiding on for some reason that looks like it's in, like, like a Mayan ruin, and... It appears to have to be a planet with nothing but one cliff. Right, and a lot of stairs. So maybe it's in that same place where Daenerys spent the summer... Yeah. And so, yeah, they meet and, like, make awkward eye contact, and that's the last ten minutes of that movie. Uh, We also meet an important character who I didn't know where to put him in, but he's a pilot who kind of is Han Solo-like, named Poe, and he's pretty great. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's my favorite Star Wars of the Star Wars. Yeah, it was a good one. It was a good Star Wars. And, yeah, I think that's the really long synopsis. Yeah, well done. I remembered a bunch of stuff after you started talking. Oh, so. oh good. Good job. <laughs> but I was not exaggerating when I came in and said that I only remembered her in a round robot. Fair enough. I've seen it more times than you. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any thoughts that you want to share? Reactions? Questions? Um. So this movie was interesting to me for a few reasons. One of them, and, like, probably the most striking one for me is that I feel like they finally were starting to get to a place where they were figuring out how to balance not only, like, the movie-making technology with the tone of the film, but, like, just the tonality overall. Mm -hmm. Like, if the whole thing felt a lot more, like, normalized as opposed to it being, like, some of these actors are in costumes and just believe they're an alien and everything is really high stakes but also it's silly yeah this was genuinely funny 
Right. Right. We weren't playing in, like, oh, that weird space. It was, like, able to balance itself better. Yeah. It was the first entry that led to a burning question that I came out of Rogue One with, which was basically, like, how much time do you think George Lucas has spent in recent years getting off on the fact that Star Wars can now look the way he thought it would look when he started this back in the 70s? Fair. But but he is no longer in a position of power in the filmmaking process for these movies. Wouldn't that just make him get off harder because he gets all the glory without having to do any of the work? No, because now J.J. Abrams gets the glory. Yeah. And he has to be like, well, when I directed, we had Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, fair enough. Like, he's still a tool. He's still a tool. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I like to think that a lot of the positive changes in this movie were the result of not having him at the forefront of it. That's definitely true. Like, there were women, Kirstie. <laughs> there were actually women. <laughs> they knew how to use paddle brushes, I assumed. Or how not they... to, basically. <laughs> at no point, I could be wrong, but I don't believe that there was a point at which any of the women were objectified either. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Like, no one had to say to their fellow man, you are making me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I. They had a lot of, like, kind of on-the-nose jokes, but they still worked for me. Especially yeah, when, like, yeah, yeah. Ray and Finn first meet, and he, like, takes her hand when they're trying to run away, and she's like, can you not? Yes. But that, that like, feels appropriate, because... Like, the tension there is that Finn was just doing it instinctively. And, like, in part because she's a woman and in part because she's, like, distrustful and has always been a loner. She's like, uh, could you not? Yeah. So it, like, lands because it's not creepy. Right. No, it was great. Love it. Yeah, I have a lot of feelings about the fact that we got two Star Wars in a row with female protagonists. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, the casting... Especially, I mean, especially in this one, but in both, his was very strong. Mm-hmm. I loved like all of the casting for this this movie, particularly like weirdly, Kylo Ren worked for me. Oh, that's so funny! I was just thinking he didn't work for me. I I find like I have a th- I don't know. I'm not attracted to Adam Driver, but I am like always like <laughs> he's very magnetic as a person, and so I th- uh-huh. think it worked. Because he has such a, like, weird voice anyway. I thought, like, that actually worked to their benefit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's, like, very, like, built and can be kind of, um... <sighs> that word's not working for me. Nope. <laughs> I can was kind really of... <laughs> waiting to see where that sentence was going to see what the intended use of built was. <laughs> he can be kind of intimidating. Okay. In the right way. But I also loved that they played him off like a child. Oh, yeah. He's a small puppy. And he gets mad and, like, blows things up and the stormtroopers, like, <laughs> run away. They're like, no. No, thanks. I guess I just don't understand what they're going for with him. I mean, he has, like, grandpa issues. Totally. Totally. But I just have a hard time believing that the child of Han Solo and Princess Leia would go to the dark side of the Force. So the only context we have is that he was sent off to be trained by Luke. Uh-huh. And Luke somehow, like, lost control of him, and that's why he's been in hiding. Mm, gotcha. I missed that entirely. 
Yeah, so... I mean, it could just be that I'm so burnt by what they chose to do with Anakin. Yeah, no, it's fair. Like, that definitely makes it hard to trust again. Right. <laughs> For so many reasons. <laughs> like, my issues with Anakin are are deep and layered. <laughs> like sand? <laughs> they do get everywhere. <laughs> I mean... That's true. I think Kylo Ren's a little bit more of a rich character, which is hard to say because of Darth Vader, but Anakin sucks. Yeah, Anakin did suck. I consider him Interestingly, almost a different Darth character. alone is more interesting than Anakin right. as a whole. Right. But anyway, sorry. No, I think that's kind of what I was getting at. But I think that they've built Kylo Ren to be, because he's not convinced entirely in what he's doing, that it gives some openness to interpret, like, will he flip-flop back to the, you know, to the side of doing what's right, or is, like, killing off his father the last straw? And then there was a lot of speculation of, like, did Han, like, basically help him kill him? And, like, what was that supposed to achieve? So, yeah. Interesting. There's more to come, obviously, but... I I don't know. Because there's part of me that, like, wonders if part of always weighing the light side and dark side of the forest is like trying to make an argument that like one isn't inherently more correct than the other. Like one is bad and one is good, but not that like choosing one or the other is more correct. So you're making like the White Walker argument? Yeah, basically. Yeah, and I think that's... And so they're like having that play out through Kylo Ren, but yeah, he's still going to... I don't know. I think that's me, like, trying to project some sense onto a situation that doesn't make sense to me. I don't think that's actually what they're trying to argue. I mean, this is the first in a series of, I believe, like, another trilogy. Sub-trilogy. So I think there's more to come, obviously. Gotcha. Like, this story is not over yet by any means. Like, it was just the first act of it. But Uh I'm sure, obviously, like, looking at the trailer for the next one, they're going to go into that a little bit more yeah it's just it's so difficult because he's such a like sad lame whiny puppy but it's so much more effective than anakin well sure but that's because anakin was just a dumbass like he was just stupid so it didn't matter if he was being manipulated yeah but they tried to make him sad and whiny oh yeah they weren't good at it right just like what happened that made him so fucking sad i don't know Ugh. Anyway. Anyway. Other casting I was obsessed with was Finn and Poe as, like, a buddy cop comedy. Yeah, they were great. And I want more of that. I want, like, infinitely more of that. Part of why I loved this movie so much was that we saw it opening night, so it was, like, a big thing. And it's always more fun to go see (laughs) movies then. It's, like, a hassle, but it's fun Mm -hmm. because everyone's into it. So we, like... Did I cheer out loud when I saw the Millennium Falcon? Maybe. (laughs) Like, the fan service worked for me. I thought it was a very good Uh example of how to do fan service well without doing too much of it. Like, the most effective point, I think, that they did that was when they get in the Millennium Falcon and they, uh, like, fins in the little pod that they... um, I don't know, like, what you'd call that. The, like, weapons person sits in and they, like, shoot all the stuff. And Uh in A New Hope, when, you know, when they're flying around doing their thing, 
they're always like swinging from side to side in those chairs and it looks really mm-hmm. fun and w- sure you know it's been glorified in that movie <laughs> and now here we are like 40 years later 40 50 years later and no 40 and <laughs> it's not that old and like finn gets in the chair and he's like jesus how does this work and he's like s- like violently swinging from side to side uh-huh, and it was uh-huh. like exactly what you wanted it to be yeah and it i just loved every second of it <laughs> they did a good job balancing all of that fan servicey stuff though like they snuck it in like real tight yeah and i didn't feel like it was like here you go like i did but i didn't yeah <laughs> well you can't mask it entirely no I do like the integration of Han, Leia, and Luke, though. I think that's a strong sort of way to carry these through. Obviously, it's going to be interesting to see how the next one is. Yeah. I'm just mega bummed that they had to kill off Han Solo. Yeah. I get why. And I get that it's all driving towards something important and they couldn't get there without it. Like, at this point in my media consumption career... I get how high-profile character deaths work, so I can live with it. But it's just, like, a mega bummer. There's so much that you lose from the series by losing him. Yeah. Especially his, like, maybe still kicking body. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway. I mean, I think they did a good job of replacing him with Poe, though. Like, I think that will be a smooth transition in terms of, like, the spirit of the character. True. But it's not the same, you're right. Yep. I guess because right now I don't trust that any of the remaining characters are going to be, like, strong enough replacements, but we'll see. They'll never be the same. No, it'll never be the same. So. Fair enough. Any final thoughts, or do you want to move on and tell me about Rogue One? Let's talk about Rogue One. We'll come back to this, because we'll talk about the new one a little bit, too. Yes. Yep. Um. So I just watched this right before we started recording. So it'll be interesting to see how wrong I am about this one. Oh, I don't know. I've only seen it once. (laughs) Oh, great. Great, 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 great. (laughs) So this one, I'm going to recap for myself, even though y'all already know this because you're better nerds than I am. But this one's super interesting because it's like a side insert before A New Hope. And its entire purpose is just to explain the Death Star. Mm Mm-hmm. It's one tiny little movie. I mean, it's not a tiny movie, but it's like one movie dedicated entirely to one single plot hole that George Lucas forgot to think through 40 years ago. Kirstie's like getting off on this notion tonight. It's like poetic. (laughs) (laughs) It really works for me. I am like so down with it. Oh my God. And I was super hating the experience of watching this movie for the first hour and 45 minutes. And then when I realized where we were headed in the home stretch, I was like, wait, fuck, this is tidy. (laughs) (laughs) This was so well thought out. Mm -hmm. And look, I've made it through a lot of these movies at this point. And that is the first time that I've watched something and thought it was well thought out. It was satisfying. 
<laughs> it's like, like, you know, those videos or those pictures that are all over Instagram of like, um, things that are either like perfectly organized or like perfectly aligned. Mm-hmm. Like BuzzFeed will make like listicles of like satisfying pictures. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie felt like to me. Wow. Yeah. So do, do you want to tell us about the plot? Yeah, let's talk about that plot. Um, so there's a lady and, well, she starts off as a kid, not, not as a lady, but they live on a desert planet, she and her parents, and they find out that the Empire is coming to do something bad. And so the parents are like running around scooping up the kid and like trying to get her into hiding. Long story short, they're like trying to get the dad to come back and do something vague for the Empire. It's not vague forever, but it is at first. And so they kill her mom, and the dad goes with them, and she goes and hides in this, like, bunker. And this guy comes and finds her, who later turns out to be a rebel extremist who's so extreme that he's split from the rebel alliance and is, like, doing his own thing. And then you fast forward to her being an adult, and long story short, through a series of misadventures, she winds up essentially working for the alliance, trying to get back to her father, so they go by way of the guy who had originally – the extremist who originally saved her when she was a kid. But the um, her father had also sent a pilot to go send a message to him as well. So everyone converges in the middle. And then the Death Star has now been built. So they are trying to show off how powerful it is. So they blow up the city where everybody is. So there's a dramatic escape. And then um, there's this long search to find her father. And basically what they learn is that her father – built in a weakness to the Death Star that makes it super easy to destroy. And he wanted the rebels to know this so that they could exploit the weakness and destroy the Death Star and save the galaxy. That was like his redemption for working for the Empire. So blah, blah, blah. They now know this about the Death Star Now they're trying to get the plans so that they can give the plans to the rebels and the rebels can start, like, deciding how they're going to blow up the Death Star. Big battle scenes happen. They retrieve the thing. And um, then the Death Star comes and blows up the planet after they transmit the plans to the rebels and everybody dies. Yep. Yep. But the rebels have the plans and they end with, like, the scene that A New Hope basically starts with, which is them, like, handing off the plans and giving them to Leia. Mm Mm-hmm. Which was just nifty as hell. Yeah, it was cool. It it was such a bummer of a movie that I didn't want to ever see it again. (laughs) I didn't think it was a bummer at all. I don't know. I just didn't... I don't know. I mean, I had a feeling from the beginning that every character was disposable. Yeah. Because, like, very early on in the movie, I wrote in my burning questions, like, what are they going to do with these people? Because they can't just leave them hanging in the universe. Right. Because they can't be, like, retconned into anything. Mm-hmm. They're not useful at any other timeline in the story. It's not like you can bring them back in any other way. It's like, what were they going to do with them? There wasn't a way to give them a happy ending. No. There wasn't. Which is why it's so tidy. You just kill them all off. <laughs> but isn't you that get a the bummer? And like, you, you spent a couple hours with them, they were okay, and it's like, nope. I don't. I might be dead inside. Think about what it takes to get me invested in a character. I don't even remember anyone's names. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I don't either. Who even were these people? I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this was a weird one for me. 
Yeah. I did appreciate, like, the storytelling, but Mm -hmm. I think it just didn't work for me because it was so outside of what I was used to in Star Wars. Like, there was a lack of, like, characters to build my frame of reference around. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, it was very, like, beautiful. It was well-made. Uh-huh. Extremely well-made. It was weird when they went to, like, the Bahamas, because I've never seen the Star Wars Bahamas (laughs) before. (laughs) I didn't hate it. Like, it was cool. It was, like, a worthwhile planet to explore. And, I mean, the whole plot is basically, like, put this thumb drive into this thing and get your (laughs) Wi-Fi to work fast enough. (laughs) Which is... That's super funny. (laughs) It's a plot we can all relate to in these are modern times. Or any time. <laughs> they did use a lot of vocabulary for the first time that I've noticed in any of the Star Wars movies that sounded like today's technology talk. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. What was it? There was one in particular where the robot is dying and he's like coaching them through getting the thing out of the thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Sure. Um, and I, I can't remember what he said, but he said something that involved like actual tech words. Hmm. I was like, oh, all right, Star Wars, you've <laughs> arrived Yeah, in today's environment. Um, the robot getting shot down was, like, the one time I felt sad about all the characters dying, and I can't explain it because I didn't like him for the majority of the movie. I don't even remember a robot. Yeah, the tall robot. Nope. He was, like, the C-3PO stand-in. Sure. I, I didn't catch a lot about him. My thought was that there's, like, a bunch of this type of robot that the Empire has, but then there's this one robot that is, like, slightly mis- or wrongly programmed, so he's, like, really snarky, and he's hanging out with um, that rebel guy oh, okay. that she falls in love with, and so he's, like, the sidekick character, got the it, robot. Got it. Um, so he's, like, always helping on the ships and stuff, and he's, like, super snarky all the time. He's the Chewbacca? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I mean, he's, he, since he's a talking robot, he's more like the C-3PO, <laughs> uh-huh. but, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't recognize that. <laughs> Close enough. Um, yeah, for some reason, I was sad when he died. Interesting. I know, I thought it was weird, too. I thought this was another one that they just did really well on the casting front. Yes. Agreed. I I keep really liking all the people that they're picking for these movies. And I'm especially excited to see the next... So the the cadence right now is, like, actual Star Wars episode every other year, and then the filler years get these little one-offs. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So the next one that's coming is the Han Solo one. And it's a prequel, and oh. Donald Glover is lit no Calrissian, oh. and I'm very excited. That's good. That's a good situation. Yeah. So I'm, like, more hyped for that than I am for the next actual Star Wars. But I'm curious yeah. because it will also be a prequel, so I'm curious how that will work in comparison to this one, because that obviously has legs with characters that we'll come back to again. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's dangerous territory, as we learned in Nurtication Part 2. Yeah. (laughs) Very dangerous. (laughs) Although, maybe it's just because of how they structured this one, where it was like, there's a few people and then they die at the end, so nothing matters. 
But it seems like these filler movies have less of a risk with, like, becoming top-heavy. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Because they're they're such simplified storylines. It's literally just like, you know, we have one thing to accomplish. <laughs> How do we do it? And it seems like the fan base is a little more willing to, I don't want to say forgive, but let them do their own thing. Yeah. Because they're not tied to the big, important story. They are, but they're not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you sensed me, like, not knowing what to do with that. (laughs) It's like, but they are, though. They are, but in such a tertiary way that it's like... Doesn't it, like, put pressure on the actual timeline stories, though? I don't know how. It just seems like it raises the stakes for them. Not as long as they're staying in the past. In terms of story or in terms of, like, performance? I don't... I don't really know. It just seems like seems like a lot to try to be balancing this like this release cycle and still have all of the stories like working out effectively. Listen, they got the Disney machine behind them. They're, and they're doing it's working fine. well for them so far. They're doing fine. We get a Star Wars every Christmas. Do you know how great that is? That's kind of a lot of Star Wars. It's like just make a TV show. No, 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 no. Like, haven't you guys heard of Peak TV? No, 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 no. We'll we'll get the or or Orville, whatever the fuck that's called. <laughs> well, it's like I was thinking about this while I was watching this movie. It's not that much longer than the Game of Thrones episodes of These Are Modern Times. No, but and so it's like, why why bother spacing it out over a year, Disney, when you can just like do whatever the fuck you want and call it TV. And have it coming out constantly. Because of Star Trek? Fair enough. That's like a long-standing thing. Yeah. That's like a little too much for me to speak to because I'm not a Star Trek person, <laughs> but I also know that- The Star- lessons were learned. Star Trek stays in television, mainly. Star Wars stays in, stays in film, mainly. I think that's like the unspoken agreement. Yeah. Fair enough. And I don't- just, That just I seems just... like a lot of theatrical release. But would you rather watch Star Wars every Sunday night? Because I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't do that. But I'm not convinced I'm going to be able to keep up with a Star Wars every year. That doesn't feel sustainable to me. That's awkward because I already bought your ticket for the No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I believed you for a second. I was like, oh, okay, I'll put it in my Google (laughs) Calendar. I bought my tickets. I was like, not even going to question it. I was like, all right. (laughs) I'll make sure I have snow tires by then. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, Another entry in our love story. (laughs) Next year. (laughs) Next year, next year. For the Han Solo movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They've also had a lot of drama with that one in terms of directors, but they brought Ron Howard on at the last minute, and I just really well, want it to a... be some sort of Arrested Development spin-off. That's, that's a fascinating choice. That's like my dream. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad choice. It's just really interesting. I mean, it totally works. Yeah. He's qualified. He's done a thing. He is. Didn't he do Apollo 13? He's done space. Okay. He's fine. Oh, he did do that, didn't he? Mm -hmm. He really can do space. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry for having doubts. Your boy Tom Hanks. (laughs) Your boy Tom Hanks. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. (laughs) 
that awkward moment when Tom Hanks was on my team all along. <laughs> I strike a nerve. <laughs> it's just a little too close to home. Oh, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So from my table. Yeah. I actually took like a lot of notes on this movie, which is surprising. Mm-hmm. But starting with burning questions. Um, why, like, I get that it's because of linear time and, like, having to keep up with the aesthetic and whatever, but, like, why does the Empire still look so much like Nazis? I think that's on purpose. I'm just so over it. There's other ways to portray dictatorship than Nazis. But are there? She asked in these are modern times. Yikes, 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 you're right, yikes. (laughs) We're still here! (laughs) this timeline has not progressed oh no oh no um why do the various ships of the empire particularly any of the ones that darth vader hangs out on always have these like ten thousand foot drops and just tiny railingless catwalks over them for symbolism not so no kidding i mean yes symbolism but also i think it's a just like a visual cue. Yeah. So anything dark side related usually has a cavernous pit. It's just like, it's it's like whenever they start a shot in one of these rooms, it's like, okay, who's going to fall off the platform? Yeah, I think that's on purpose. It's just so easy. There's like, again, there are other ways to kill people than to knock them into a cavernous pit on a spaceship. Yeah, but it's... It's like a storytelling thing that's special to Star Wars, I think, so you give it some leeway. Like, it's the same as, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, I don't know, I'm sure there's some Shakespearean, like, metaphors and things that they use. You know what I mean? Like, wasn't there, like, if it's a, I comedies do. always end in weddings or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, you just take it with a, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how it is. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I This is probably because I don't have a nostalgic relationship with Star Wars, but there is part of me that always forgets to give them credit for the fact that, like, there are conventions that they establish for themselves and that carry through. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Why are there so many single-use planets in this galaxy? Why Every planet not? that they went to had one thing that that planet was for. Yes. Why? Because it's easy, because it's storytelling. Like, like go to the city on the planet and say that's what the city is, but don't say the whole planet is. I mean, it's the same thing as in the Hunger Games when all the different districts do different things. It's just No, easy. it's not the same. It's easy. It's not the same. Because in the Hunger Games, it's dividing up a single continent and making each district single use based on the environment in that district. So, like, obviously District 12 would be a coal mining district. They're in fucking Appalachia. There's a lot of coal there. Obviously, whatever, District 4 or whatever it is would be, like, apple growers because there's apple trees there. Like, that makes sense. But to say that an entire planet, when our piddly little Earth has so much biodiversity, is only for the imperial security complex is some horseshit. That's not how planets work. No, but I think they're trying to make it easily understandable. All they have to do is put a comma in there. I'm just, I, 
I am not responsible for George Lucas and Friends' choices here. <laughs> it It's just like so many single-use planets. But if you can just build Death Star planets, why not build a planet for your fucking security system, too? I don't know. That's a very Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy approach to problem solving. I don't know that reference, so I'm going to drink twice. I'll just drink twice. I actually referenced Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy twice in my notes, so. Cool. I'll leave some wine for that one, too. Cool, 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 cool. Um, And then my other burning question was just, like, how much do you think George Lucas is getting off to the series finally, like, realizing its potential? Specifically visually. Didn't we already touch on this we already talked about it i'm just sit- you're making me letting you know that again. that was my last question all right all right just wrapping up the segment okay <laughs> who's the sassy one now <laughs> my goodness <laughs> um i have a lot of bad lines of dialogue actually most of them though were from that one guy who had the white uniform mm-hmm he was, like, the king of bad dialogue. So. Or not the white uniform. The guy who the white uniform guy reports it's to. It's Ben Mendelsohn, right? Maybe. You know, I don't do names. I, I don't remember his characters. That's all I've got. Hold on. He, the guy with the really bony face. He looked like Skeletor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's him. Yeah, yeah. He was, like, the king of bad lines. So, Rogue One had a big drama. There's been, like, scandals on all of these productions, but this one had, like, a lot of it had to be redone. Mm. And I believe that included a lot of his work in particular. Interesting. Because of him or because of Uh, production? Like, drama. Like, basically, from my understanding was that Disney saw the final product and was like, no, 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 no. You go back and you fix this. (laughs) Wow. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So one of the lines was, you have made time an ally of the rebellion. (laughs) Nothing fucks you harder than time. Nothing fucks you harder than time. Failure will have you explaining why to a far less patient audience. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. I think uh, Rebel Hot Pilot said this, but... Uh, the line was, I'm beginning to think the Force and I have different priorities. And I probably should have put that under Hate Watch My Joy because I was like, same. <laughs> I really like that he's Rebel Hot Pilot. <laughs> well, because then there's the other pilot. There's like Imperial Pilot. No, you're right. But So then there's like Rebel Hot Pilot. Rebel Hot Pilot is the guy who was in that like Dirty Dancing spinoff, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, was he? Yeah. I was super into Rebel Hot Pilot. When he... Turned out to not actually be dead, even though I knew everyone was going to die. Yeah. I was like, sweet. Yeah. What's up, dude? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> um, Someone is talking to the protagonist chick, and they say, you were the daughter of an Imperial science officer? <laughs> and I just think Imperial science officer might be, like, the most fourth-grade job title I've ever heard. <laughs> I think you should put that, like, hide that in your LinkedIn and see if anyone comments on it. <laughs> oh, my God, I should. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really fun. Uh, someone... Oh, the... the uh, fuck, the extremist guy? 
as his like whole city has been decimated by the Death Star and his like building is collapsing around him and he's like trying to help them escape. I think it's him. He says, save the rebellion, save the dream. Yeah, is that like Leslie Nope's new campaign slogan? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Catch your dreams. <laughs> I feel like we're like one more really bad month away from that being in the next BuzzFeed listicle of awesome protest signs. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and then Darth Vader is talking to white uniform guy in his platform spaceship. And uh, the white uniform guy has just fucked up a lot. And so Darth Vader is using the force to choke him. And he says, try not to choke on your ambitions, director. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Oh, boy. Speaking of Darth Vader, you know what I found really interesting? Mm -hmm. I feel like his costume in this movie was far more similar to the original Darth Vader than the Darth Vader costume of the prequels. I believe that was on purpose. Yeah. I was wondering about that because when Anakin at the end of the last prequel movie, episode three, there it is, when he like they lift up the table and you see the new Darth Vader. (laughs) (laughs) For reference. (laughs) I'm sorry, could you remind me? (laughs) No. God, it's my favorite. Someone write to J.J. Abrams and let him know we have a new Darth Vader in the house. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> She's so ready. Um, so anyway, when they, like, lift up the table and you see Darth Vader's, like, uniform for the first time, technically, because Anakin has just been given it, it's, like, so shiny and so modern and, like, it's definitely, like, George Lucas's wet dream of what he wishes he could have made in the 70s. <laughs> but then we get later in these movies, like, a much less shiny, more old-school-looking Vader. Yeah. If I was the people making these movies today without Georgie being involved, uh-huh. I would try to purge the prequels from my memory as much as possible. And I think that includes, like, any weird costuming choices and, like, artistic direction. I think they were trying to really bridge the gap between what was too fake and polished in the prequels with Mm. what was real, like, shoddy but effective in the originals. Yeah. Which I think they did a good job with. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was my side note for the day. For gripes... Um, I had that they're on this desert planet, and Rebel Hot Pilot is running around in a fur coat. Oh, sure. Like, why are you wearing a fur-lined coat on a desert planet there, Rebel Hot Pilot? <laughs> why not? Maybe it <laughs> looks good. He did look good. I mean, he was working that fur hood. Right. So then, so there's the extremist guy who we know saved What's-Her-Face when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then we also know that he split off from the Rebels because he was, like, too much of a dick about it. And when the Death Star blows up the city, he gets, like, decimated. But he, like, makes sure to get uh, Protagonist Chick and Rebel Hot Pilot and friends on a spaceship and out before everyone got blown up. Mm -hmm. And 
it was fine, except that they make this, like, very big deal of doing this, like, very dramatic operatic scene of him being imploded upon by this building and him saying, save the dream and whatever. And I just don't feel like we got enough backstory or character development to, like, care about this, like, majestic self-sacrifice that we spend, like, four minutes on. Mm. I don't even remember it happening, so I think you're right. It was... They spent a lot of time on watching him die, Mm. basically, (laughs) because they're really trying to hammer home that this was, like, his redemption arc. But we didn't have enough time with him to care if he was redeemed or not. Yeah. So it's just like, we didn't need to spend that much time watching a dude get stoned with giant building rocks. Yeah, that seems reasonable. (laughs) Also, in past movies... People wore seatbelts in their spaceships. Did they? There were other movies where everyone has a five-point harness in their spaceship. Were those the prequels? No, in the original ones, too. Okay. In this movie, no one was wearing their seatbelts. What's a five-point harness? (laughs) It's like like what race car drivers have. Actually, some of them have eight-point harnesses. So each point is where the seatbelt is like attached oh okay 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 so it's like two points at the shoulder a point at the chest and then a point at the hip yeah whatever yeah five point harnesses got it seatbelt safety matters everybody (laughs) this is your weekly psa (laughs) our seatbelt deputy is in the house (laughs) (laughs) all the things that you learn from hate watch (laughs) um One of my major gripes, and it's not just in this movie, it's in basically every single movie, is that the leads end up falling in love. And, like, especially because they all die at the end, there is no reason for protagonist chick and rebel hot pilot to fall in love. It doesn't serve the story at all. Because they, like, the only time they get to act out their romance is when they hug as they're being radiated by the nuclear bomb of the Death Star. Yeah. So, like, what do we get for that? It seemed, like, a little contrived. Totally. And I feel like... I feel like there's a few things at play. So, it's already hard enough to convince people that women and men can be friends without being dating without being dating especially when we can't (laughs) say it right (laughs) i'm being dating a lot of people though so it's hard to keep up (laughs) Um, so it's already hard enough for a platonic friendship there we go but then it's also hard enough to just get lady protagonists especially those that are on equal footing with male protagonists so like why you gotta make them fall in love some of us are only here for the rom-com, Kiersey. But it's a pigeonhole. But I... Ah. <sighs> I know, I know. Especially because there was no narrative purpose to it. They could have died being friends. It would have meant the same thing. Sure. That's fair. It's just hard because, like, friendship is a very important relationship. And powerful things are accomplished through friendship. In which, like, in a story of good versus evil is important. What, like, love is always important in good versus evil, but you can do it through friend love, as Harry Potter proved to us. Well, that's what A New Hope did, too. Well, sure, but 
the one lady protagonist still ends up in a romantic relationship with her male peer. But not at the end of A New Hope. Okay, but basically. No. Yeah. No, that doesn't happen until Empire. But the love triangle was established. Barely. Okay, but everyone knew they were going to bone. And didn't you want that to happen? I did, but I don't want it to happen in every movie. I mean, that's the problem, right? Is like, I can deal with it in individual films, but when you step back and look at it in aggregate, it's suddenly like, well, fuck, my only lady protagonists end up banging their hot co-pilots. I guess. (laughs) You're talking to the wrong person. Not because I I don't believe in what you're arguing for. I just find it sometimes an easy mechanism to grab onto a storyline. Yeah, but if you, if the only thing you've got going for you is romantic interest, then you don't have enough storyline and you should just give up and go home. Well, yeah, but sometimes that's all you've got. That's the worst argument. Listen, I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying this example. I'm saying sometimes there's desperate times. I but I guess that's my whole thing is like that everyone's go-to is to just be like what if these two people boned? That's great. I don't know. I don't have any problems with boning. (laughs) (laughs) I just get bored with it. Like, stop boning. No. (laughs) God. (laughs) Title of this episode is going to be Kirstie wants everyone to stop boning. My favorite part of all of this is that we've ended up in a situation where I'm publicly advocating for prudishness and you're publicly advocating for boning and it just seems like a role reversal. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know how we got here, but I like it. For the record, there's nothing wrong with boning. Like, I want my lady protags to get it. Yeah, so what's the problem? I just feel like there's not enough depth in the bench for every lady protag to end up getting it. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just not convinced. (laughs) My last gripe is semi-twofold. So, lady protag gets on the spaceship when her Rebel Alliance friends decide that they're no longer part of the real Rebel Alliance and they're going to go attack Star Wars Bermuda on their own. Mm -hmm. And so she gets in the spaceship and there's this dramatic moment where the camera zooms in on her right before they close the door of the, the, like, the hatch. And she goes, may the Force be with us? And I was like, bitch, you don't even know what the Force is. Yeah. Like, what? You, you don't feel the fucking force? What are you playing at? You didn't believe in anything until four scenes ago when you decided that because your dad was dead that the rebels were cool. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> no fucking kidding, right? Like, these fucking DIY Jedis who just wake up one morning and are like, may the force be with us. Sure. Because then, then there's that rando guy who was hanging out with the blind Jedi. And so the blind Jedi dies, and the random guy is suddenly like, I am the Force, and the Force is with me, or whatever oh, the fuck yeah, that yeah, is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, he, like, starts dramatically running through battle, and he's, like, the only one who doesn't die until the Death Star kills everyone. He's like, I'm a Jedi But now. it's because he's now embraced the Force, out of, because his 
force friend died. So now the force is with him. But again, it's like you didn't believe in the force. That was why you that was like the whole joke of your friendship is that you didn't believe in the force. So like you don't get to just decide like now I feel the force. Right. Luke had to play that game with his lightsaber and that little drone. Yeah. You had to put in the work. But then at the same time, Leia suddenly feels the force after Luke tells her that they're related. It's like she had never felt the force before. And then Luke's like, oh, you're my sister. Get on this spaceship and go to a place. And then she's on the spaceship and she's like, oh, Luke, I feel the force. So what if there's a conspiracy theory that the force is just a figment of people's imagination? I feel like it is. Yeah. It would save me a lot of time and anger at this point, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because my beef with the Force contains multitudes. It sure does. <laughs> all right. Speaking of multitudes, let's hate watch my joy. Because of all of the movies, this one contained the most of my joy. Which is... I just... I can't deal with that. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> honestly, it's probably only because I wasn't taking notes during Force Awakens. All right. All right. Like, there probably would have been more there, because I did really enjoy that movie. Mm-hmm. So big one that I know for a fact was not true in Force Awakens is that this one did not use the PowerPoint transition cuts. Ooh. Right? And it could just be that it's because it's not linear Star Wars. Yeah. Because they also didn't use the title scroll, yep. and they didn't use the Star Wars theme in the intro. Yes. They bring it back through, like, reprises later on, but they don't use it during the opening establishing shot. Yeah, that's on purpose. So it could just be that. However, it's, like, the first movie in the entire franchise that doesn't use it. So there's part of me that's like, is this a window of opportunity? Mm. Can we use this as a jumping off point, J.J. Abrams? <laughs> no way. Not now, not ever. (laughs) I also felt like there was a lot of dedication to the original aesthetics, particularly in shots of spaceships floating in space. Okay. So especially at the beginning, as they're talking about the Death Star, they're in different spaceships and they're looking out their like spaceship windows and there's all these other spaceships that are just like floating in the blackness. Mm -hmm. And it looks so much like the original trilogy. Yeah. And then, as much as I was complaining about the fact that everybody still looks like Nazis, they, like, brought back the original insane helmets yep. that everybody had. Like, those giant bucket helmets. Yeah. Um, like, it's, it feels like, even to an untrained eye, like, there was a lot of dedication to detail in ways that required a lot of advanced technology, but didn't look like it. Yeah. And, I mean, I just like detail. That's nice. Um... This one is for you and for you exclusively. Oh, boy. <laughs> but at one point, uh, Rebel Hot Pilot says, we're not here to make friends. Yes! And there, there is an incredible story from my wedding that involves Kelsey in her bridesmaid dress with her hands on her hips saying this out loud. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a great moment. <laughs> so that's for you i'm glad that's my wedding legend (laughs) forever and for always i love that um they got better at battle choreography too in this movie yeah this was like some of the better battle choreography wow um i wrote this down when blind jedi was fighting because he was doing like 
that very specific Jedi fighting stuff. Mm -hmm. Look at me go. But it looked so much better than any of the other, like, Jedi battle sequences in particular. Ah. And then my last one is that they actually genuinely surprised me, which does not happen often. Uh, So they kill off Rebel Hot Pilot. Yep. And I was like, oh, duh, of course he was going to die. And then Lady Protag is, like, out trying to send the signal to download the file on some platform and white uniform guy is like about to kill her, and then Rebel Hot Pilot shows up behind him yeah. and just like shoots him. Yep. And I was like, "Hey, Rebel Hot Pilot, you're back." Yep. Didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. I don't get got very often. That got me. Good. I just assumed it was a done deal. Yeah. Yeah. That one got me. Well, too. because it it fell within the confines of the George R. R. Martin rule, where it's like you don't believe they're dead until you see the body. Yeah. Because you saw the body. You watched him fall and, like, hit his back on one of the platforms. Mm -hmm. And then you hear a thud. Right. So, yeah, that's everything. Um, The one thing, I teased this to you in the Slack channel. Mm -hmm. But the thing that this movie did, which I think was a byproduct more than an intention, is that It explains, which this was on purpose, it explains why the weakness in the Death Star is the exhaust pipe. Yeah. But by proxy, what it does is it explains why when they rebuild the Death Star, it still has the same weak spot. Oh, you're right. Because they didn't do it with enough time to really think critically about it. They just rebuilt from the same plans. Right. Which, my question from the time that I watched it still stands, where it's like, y'all know that they blew it up using an exhaust pipe, so why didn't you think that through? But they were just using the same plans. Yeah. So, that's really why I appreciate this movie, is because they actually dealt with a plot hole that made me really upset. Mm-hmm. So, that's good. So, that was Rogue One. It was. I I feel like I'm at a bit of a crossroads at this point. Mm-hmm. Because this has been a journey. Yep. And I feel like I am invested in the universe now. Uh, like, I feel like I've come this far and I know this much and I still have questions. Yep. But I said this to you already. I don't think Star Wars is for me. Mm-hmm. And I have this desire right now to be a better nerd and to, like, take the time and actually educate myself and, like, invest in this universe because, as we all know, Disney is not going to let it go. Like, it is now ever-present. Yep. But I don't, like, especially if there's going to be a new movie every fucking year, I don't know if I have that in me. But you've, I feel like you enjoyed the last two in particular. I did. I did like them. So doesn't that bode well? I I guess the hard part is I don't think I'll ever be more than a casual viewer. Like, I don't think I'll ever really be in the fandom. Yeah. And that's all well and good. Like, you don't have to like every franchise just because it's a franchise. Except that, like, there is going to be a new movie every year until the nuclear holocaust. So that's a lot of content that I have to brace myself for every fucking year. Well, you can choose to, like, only watch the actual linear episodes. I'm a completionist. Do you think I'm really going to play it that way? I'm I'm just giving you an opportunity. Especially 
if the filler movies are going to explain things that I've been self-righteous about, Mm -hmm. I have a moral duty to watch them at that point. (laughs) So what you're saying is this was effective in guilting you into being a fan. Yeah, that's literally what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we got there. (laughs) One thing I came out of this experience with is a theory, which I started talking to you about already, but I want to put it out there because it's interesting and I want feedback on it. I have a theory that within fantasy in particular, there's somewhat of a spectrum. So you can fall anywhere between like magic fantasy, which would be along the lines of like your Harry Potter, your Lord of the Rings, your other magical fantasy. Or you can fall on the space sci-fi side, which would be your Star Trek, your Star Wars, and your other space things. I only have two examples because I'm useless. Where does, like, the paranormal side of things come in? I think that's a different thing entirely. Is it, though? Because I would also say that, like, superheroes are a different thing entirely. Mm Mm-hmm. I I guess this is not a broad spectrum, so it does not cover the entirety of what fantasy can do. It's only weighing preferences between sci-fi and magic. Yeah. It's a very narrow, narrow spectrum. I just don't think that they are interchangeable. No. Well, no, but that's that's sort of the point is of having a preferential uh, spectrum is that I think some people are going to fall on more side or one side of that more than the other because they're not the same. Well, no, but I mean, like, space and magic are not the same in, like, space is like a setting and magic yeah, is like... I'm saying sci... Like, I said sci-fi. You said like, space like seven sci-fi. times. I said sci-fi like four, though. Okay. I got it in there. I don't know. I was just looking for qualifying words because I don't have other content to use as examples. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm a naive newborn baby. So really, this came up for me because I was trying to figure out what my deal was because I just kept feeling like Star Wars is not for me. Mm-hmm. And I've never tried to get into Star Trek because there's too much of it and it's overwhelming. I did really like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for a little while, but it's satire. So I don't think that counts. Yeah. But I was super deep into Lord of the Rings for a good chunk there. I didn't um I didn't read the books ever cuz I don't like Tolkien's writing, but I watched all the movies and I was super into them. And as we all know, I'm super into Harry Potter. And like I don't seem to approach magic fantasy with as much skepticism as I have approached sci-fi fantasy when I've watched it. Mhm. So I just I put it out there because there are I know other nerd nerd people who seem to have a really hard time with certain nerd franchises. And I'm just trying to categorize why that might be. Mm -hmm. And I'm not helpful because I like Harry Potter and Star Wars simultaneously. But as I pointed out earlier, I think that you have very mainstream nerd interests. So much hate. (laughs) That's not hate. That was like straight shade. I'm like, oh, you're so mainstream. You are so mainstream. (laughs) Your fandom is so basic. (laughs) I mean, my fandom is basic, so it takes one to know one. 
Ah, yes. <laughs> We're in good company. It's true. But I f- hated Lord of the Rings. Right. But you, I feel like you have way more tolerance for Star Wars than I do. Maybe it's because Star Wars has a rom-com and Lord of the Rings didn't. Lord of the Rings has rom-coms. Does it, though? Yeah. I don't know. Dude, everyone ends up boning by the end of it. There's tons of rom-com in there. I don't know. I couldn't deal. (laughs) I would just be curious in talking about that more with people who have broader perspectives on the issue (laughs) So not me. So not you, because you're useless to me. Your perspective is narrow! (laughs) (laughs) Narrow like the walkways on Darth Vader's house, am I right? Uh hey oh, Walkway, Mr. Walkway. (laughs) Lead me to the building. Not my nerd fiction, not my problem. That's what I say. <laughs> Seahorses. Forever. <laughs> oh, no. Fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. So, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Should we talk about this new movie that's coming out? I think we can briefly touch on it. Yeah. I All I know about it is that I have watched the trailer, and I can't keep its name straight because there's too many other movie titles about Jedi already. It's called The Last Jedi. But I I think I thought for a great many years that Return of the Jedi was actually The Last Jedi. Yeah, no. Like, that name has been in my brain for so long. I, like, you know how George Lucas had a bunch of, like, weird spinoff books Mm -hmm. and shit? Was there something like that that was called The Last Jedi, or was there, like, a cartoon no, I have some no shit. idea. I feel like that name has been out there before. Anyway. Anyway. It's The Last Jedi. Regardless of the name, it's happening. Because they've already returned. The Jedi already returned, so now there's just one of them. Right. They're teeing it up to be sort of an identity crisis for Rey, I believe, in terms of like what she's going to do, because it sounds like Luke is going to have cold feet in terms of training her because of whatever he fucked up with with Kylo Ren. Yeah. Um, I think that's most of it, honestly. Which is interesting because, like, Obi-Wan almost had cold feet about training Anakin, and then he still did it. And then Anakin sucked. And then <laughs> people didn't want to train Luke because he's related to Anakin. But then Luke turned out okay. Yeah. But then Luke may have created a monster, too, so. And we don't really know who Rey is still. Like, there's a lot of speculation about who her parents are. Uh-huh. I'm sure that'll come out eventually. Uh, what else? I don't She's know. She's the original DIY Jedi. Yeah, for sure. She just, like, has a scene in that movie where she's just suddenly like, boom, I'm a Jedi. What's up? <laughs> I feel the force. It's great. Look at all the shit I can do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It should be interesting. I'm, like, hesitant. Only because I love The Forks Awakened so much that I don't even want to go back there, kind of. like. <laughs> also because I'm worried it's going to be, like, Empire or, or whatever the last one is. Now you got me tripped up. I'm like, return or revenge? <laughs> return, return, yeah. return. Oh, revenge would have been a good one. Revenge of the Jedi. Well, Revenge of the Sith was episode three. 
Oh. I, you know. There's just, there's a lot Names happening. Are <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't really have a lot of thoughts yet. Uh, there is an episode of, um, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) A beer with geeks. That show. speculating about this movie and it's a worthwhile listen so go find that if you can remember the name of it <laughs> they're way better at it than we are way one gripe i already have about this movie is that twitter lost its goddamn mind when the trailer came out because of porgs oh yeah i have a gripe about this too i so i thought I, well, I have two gripes about it. But so first, I thought that Porgs were going to be like a big thing in this trailer. And then you see it scream for like a millisecond. I was like, really, Twitter? That's all it fucking takes? Right. But also, I don't want a Groot in this movie. No, no one needs that. I didn't ask for it. I don't think it's going to be fun or cute. No. And here's my other beef. Speaking of cute. The fandom has trouble with Ewoks, which, like, fine, we can put that behind us. It was a long time ago. But the fandom also likes Chewie because Chewie's cute. And the fandom likes R2-D2 because R2-D2 is cute. And the fandom lost its goddamn mind because of the little round robot because they thought the round robot was so cute. And now all of Twitter is losing its goddamn mind because Porgs are cute. And look, people, like, what do you want from me? I feel like you're toying with my emotions. I think it's a trap. Are you feeling a little, like, burnt about the Ewoks? I feel burnt. I feel like nothing is allowed to be cute because this is a super serious space saga. It's got to be super serial all the time. (laughs) Nothing is cute. I believe the issue with Ewoks is about (laughs) their importance to the premise of the narrative. Okay, but, like... Porgs aren't going to be important. Right. They're fine as long as they're sidekicks. That's the the fandom logic. I'm just telling you. Just the messenger. (laughs) I don't like sidekicks. Excuse me? (laughs) Did I not just tell you that you were my sidekick yesterday? I accepted begrudgingly. (laughs) I don't think you could hear all of the begrudging (laughs) through the Slack channel. I was begrudgingly. But it was begrudgingly. So it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So So yeah, it looks like a movie. I guess I'm going to have to watch it at some point. I'm going to go see it on opening, nope, night after opening night. Close enough. It'll be great. I feel a little stressed about going to see it. Or I mean, I'm not going to go see it in theaters because I don't do theatrical releases because I suck. Right. But I do feel a little stressed about having to sit through another Star Wars. You'll be fine. I probably will be. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm so stressed. I have to watch a television thing. I'm just really stressed. Uh, hey, you just called it a television show. Yeah, I called it a television thing because I got trapped at television. <laughs> It's because you were too busy thinking about how stressed I was last night watching Jane the Virgin. For the wrong reasons! <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> I'm not going down that road again. <laughs> if you have thoughts about The Force Awakens or Rogue One or this new one with a name that we'll remember sometimes. Whichever kind of Jedi this one is. Yeah. Please send us your thoughts on Twitter Hate watch with us or hate watch with us at gmail.com if you want to can i real quick inter intersect yeah so we had an email from a listener friend and it sat in our inbox forever so my bad but in it he addressed a bunch of stuff from the first nerdication one of them being my complaint that no one ever explained why the empire is evil and i'm pointing this out because what he said actually stuck with me for a bunch of the movies and came into play during Rogue One and, like, has actually made me come around to Star Wars logic. Tell me more, briefly. He said, he said, if you don't care about democracy in and of itself, maybe the Empire isn't so bad, other than killing everyone on an entire planet to punish one person. So, simple point, simple argument, but I hadn't actually thought about the fact that, like, even though they don't, they don't like belabor the point. The Empire built the Death Star just to like blow people up because they're dictators, right? So I got there. Finally, thank you, Alan. Thank you. <laughs> it like really stuck in my brain, and like I thought about it a lot during the prequels, but then in Rogue One, because the whole thing is about the Death Star, it like came back to the to like the front of my mind, and I was like, oh shit, the Empire is really shitty. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> I understand good versus evil. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, if they want to find us somewhere besides email and Twitter, what can they do? They can go to hatewatchlist.com or they can check out the whole Thought Bubble Audio group at Thought Bubble FM on Twitter or thoughtbubbleaudio.com. There's a bunch of great shows on there. They're all nerdy and wonderful and you should check them out. Do it. All right. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back with something besides Star Wars next week. Star Wars is over. <laughs> for now. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. All right. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>